Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. I got the 40 years. He's like the guy that died in combat, and I survived the battle and the war. And I've really asked myself, have I lived it well? Well, time will tell, but I definitely intend to live it better than I ever have before, even as I'm sure you do. Time is so precious. Time is so valuable. It's the greatest gift we have today. Use it wisely for Jesus. The second thing we see here is the value of numbers. I'm always fascinated by numbers because numbers don't lie. Numbers are science. You know, we invest in real estate. The numbers have to match up for a good investment. Numbers are important. Business models, people that work with money, numbers are obvious. You're trying to lose weight. If you're doing what you did yesterday and you weigh the same, then you've got to change your numbers, right? The scale is not, the scale is science. It's not subjective, it's objective. Your bank account, if it's accurate, is not subject, if it's objective. The numbers don't lie. Talking with Chris Gonzalez beforehand, because he physically works out, he counts his reps, right? He counts what he's doing. And then we're talking about weightlift uh, bodybuilders and how they count their calories and all these things. And the, the numbers all add up. It, it, your, your screen time on your phone are numbers, and they're telling you a lot about what you're doing with your time. Screen time on TV are numbers, and they're telling you what you do about your time. You can track the numbers on anything in your life. Your, your step app, I, I'm, I'm over 10,000 every day except the two days I teach, and I try to be over 6,000. The numbers keep me healthy. They keep me accountable, and they don't lie. Numbers are numbers. They're not subjective. The universe is math, and it's absolute. So the numbers are important. It says in verse 28 that they brought out the items and they took them out by count. They were accountable for the Lord's money. They were accountable for the Lord's resources. And they had to count it out. Like, you know, 148 chairs for this fellowship hall. We need to count them out and set them up. There's seven tables. Like, the numbers matter. They matter to the Lord. They matter to Jesus. They matter to the apostles. Numbers are speaking and we need to listen to them. That's why I love that passage in Proverbs where it says this. It says... Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. See, we're, we're exhorted to be diligent and know what the numbers are. And the more accurate you are at the numbers of your life, the more it's revealing to you about your life and what you like about your life and maybe what you want to change about your life. You could notebook anything. Jennifer and I were just discussing this other night, but when we first got married, I was already doing what we called money log. I used to have the old like graph sheet, like the four square graph sheet. I've kept track of every cent I spent as long as we've been married. I haven't always liked what it says, but I've kept track of it. Pastor Chuck used to say, you can know God's will by this. Where God's guiding, he's providing. How do you know if he's providing if you don't know where it's guiding? You, you got to, you know, like when we've given away hundreds of thousands of missions in the last two years, we have to know the metrics of our numbers. We have to know our numbers. Creativity has nothing to do with numbers except how you might use them. But numbers are facts. It's science. They are what they are. 
You weigh what you weigh. Your steps are your steps. What you eat is what you eat. The calories are the calories. Carbohydrates are not, you know, respecters of person. Carbs are carbs, and they're equal for all of us. You might have a different metabolism, but they do what they do. And the money in your bank account with Wells Fargo or Bank of America, whatever, it, 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 schools first, it is what it is. That's the U.S. dollar, and this is what it's equal to with other currencies today, gold, and anything else that you want to measure to by Bitcoin or whatever. The treasury bonds. The numbers don't lie. And it's, see, in our stewardship from the Lord, not only is time of great value to us, but the numbers are very valuable because they tell us a lot about who we are. Jesus was big on numbers. Think about this. In the Old Testament, there's a couple big numbers, 12 and 70. 12 was the number of tribes. 70 was the Sanhedrin Council, the ruling elders over Israel. The Septuagint, the original first Greek translation of the Old Testament, Septuagint means 70. 70 scholars got together in Alexander, Egypt, around 258 B.C. and translated the Old Testament Hebrew into Greek before Christ ever came. But there were 70 What did Jesus do? He picked 12 apostles. He sent out 70. Three is an important number because God's triune in nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the mystery of it all. Did Jesus have a key three? He most certainly did, Peter, John, and James. Repeatedly in the New Testament, there are special things that were just for Peter, John, and James. They were first among equals amongst the apostles. So important was number 12, before the day of Pentecost, Peter felt led after praying that they should appoint a 12th apostle to replace Judas, who was Matthias. That number 12 was very important to the tribes, the Old Testament, to Jesus and the apostles, and to the apostles before even the day of Pentecost. 12, ready to go. The number 12, 70, 12, 3. How about Jesus and miracles? The five loaves and the fish, right? You have exact numbers. You have five thousand, we're told five thousand people. That's probably approximate. But what he was working with is absolute. The fish and the loaves, exact numbers. There's an inventory from which he performed his miracle. What happens after the miracle? You know, there's twelve baskets. How many apostles are there? Twelve. Like those are important numbers. There's not nine baskets or eleven or five. I mean, there's there's this miracle. Then there's 12 baskets. And he divided up by, in groups of 50, by the way. So the numbers are there too. But he, he worked with this. So this is what he started with. And then there's 12 baskets. Like every apostle gets to have a, a take-home gift from the party. Carry your basket and think about it. When he said to Philip, you feed them. He goes, if we had a year's wage, whatever, we couldn't feed these people. Well, here's what you got. And they learned a valuable lesson that our impossibility is God's supernatural possibility. And each got to carry a basket around and think about like, wow. Picture the kid with his lunch and wow, there it is. Later on when he fed the 4,000, they had seven baskets. Seven's the number of completion in the Bible, right? Seven days creation. A lot of things are seven, right? Seven years and the Sabbath rest for the land. Seven day week. All that kind of stuff. Numbers matter to the Lord, and numbers matter to you. I would suggest to you, for your calling and the great things that God wants to do in your life, it's important to pay attention to numbers. By the way, some more on Jesus and numbers. In the Luke stretch, there's a Luke stretch of parables, like chapter 12 through like 19. There's some very special, like parables. It's stewardship. Listen, one 
the one that had five minus and got ten minus, his faithful with you, he's upgraded to more ten cities. Five minus, that's a currency base, made ten, then in the upgrade gets ten cities. Those are numbers, multiplication, it's increase. More to, to him or her who has, more will be given. Jesus taught that. Now, the parable of the unjust steward is even more amazing. So he tells the parable of the unjust steward who's in big trouble and counts receivable, and he makes the settlement. He gets to one person. He says, how much do you owe? A hundred. He goes, let's settle right now for 80. Okay. Another guy, the wheat. How much do you owe? A hundred. Let's settle for 50 right now. Gets to 50. So he had all of nothing is what? Nothing. If you ever dealt with creditors, they know all of nothing is nothing. When I settled my sister's debts, like thousands, over like $20,000 worth of debt, credit card debt, car debt, rent, you know, eviction debt. When I went out there to settle it all, you find pretty early on, three or five years later, they're just happy they're going to get anything from it. And so they're happy to settle. So we settle almost like, you know, 20%, 50% on some things. And they're happy. We're happy because all of nothing is nothing. Okay. So this unjust steward gets 80 from 100 and 50 from 100. He got 130 back of the 200 that was out there. And Jesus commends him. He says he's more shrewd than those of the kingdom because he had his hustle on and he knew the numbers and he did something. Listen, if you look at that parable, Jesus commends that unjust steward because he had his hustle on and he says he's more, he's more fruitful than the kingdom because a lot of Christians are straight up lazy. They're just straight up lazy. And that's the bottom line. Numbers matter. They're speaking to us. So I'll ask you, what are they speaking to you? What are your numbers speaking to you tonight? What are your numbers speaking to you? Numbers talk. Seek, knock, and ask, and the Lord will answer, and he'll speak through numbers. Because your dream is just a wish until you're with the Lord. He puts a delight in your heart. He says, this is what I want to do. And then the creativity, the vision, but you've got to match the metrics. Your left brain is the metrics. Your right brain is the creativity. And they work together, and the mind of the Lord is over it all. How many people have failed business ventures because they didn't count the cost? Jesus said, before you go to war, figure out if you can win the war. Before you start building a house, make sure you got enough money to finish the, the job. You know, I used to go to Baja, see the incomplete houses. You're like, oh my goodness. It's like someone started a house, they couldn't finish it. Know your numbers. So WG, I ask you, body of Christ, what are your numbers tonight? You and the Lord know. What are your numbers? Because... You can criticize or you can analyze. You just, you can be critical of everybody else or you can just take responsibility for you and analyze your numbers and let God speak to you from. I've learned more from numbers. See, about five years ago, I figured I had no plan for retirement. None. Like, Maranatha. Well, that's, you know, when you get here late 50s, you're rethinking that Maranatha. Not that it's going to happen or the hope of it, but what, you know, like, I don't want to be a burden on my kids. You know, you know what I'm saying? Look, I researched Cryptocurrency extensively. I researched Roth IRAs, stock market from very intelligent people in this church, and I researched real estate investment. And as looking at the numbers, what I had, what I had to work with, what my interests were, I went with real estate. And I've made really good real estate decisions, but it's not been dumb luck. You know, as they say, the harder I work, the more I recognize my opportunities, the more I step out in faith, the luckier I get. 
We're doing it for the Lord. People do all these things for the, for the time, space, and matter, and they leave it behind. Everything, the numbers for us are for eternity. The numbers for us are for eternity. The numbers and what God wants to show you in your life is for the responsibilities entrusted to you is for eternity. It's for the kingdom. It's for glory. Know your numbers. It's like the mall. How can you get to Foot Locker if you don't know where you're at? You are here. You, you know, you're at the San Clemente Outlet Mall. You are here. Nike store's there. Like, you need to know where you're at so you can get where you're going and figure out if you have what it takes to complete the process or at least enough for the next step of faith because obviously we walk by faith and sometimes you got to... Hey, Pastor Chuck spent his whole life knowing numbers. He scrutinized phone bills till his, till his last few weeks of life. Pastor Chuck always knew the numbers. He knew the numbers when he was living paycheck to paycheck in his 40s in Prescott, Arizona, doing a four-square church. He never changed. He had that compound probability. Small things, the right thing, consistent things, over time, exponential growth. And by the time it's up to eternity, the Calvary Chapel movement and Jesus Revolution, the movie, right? We've all seen it. Numbers matter. Know your numbers, body of Christ. Last one, the value of singular focus. This is big. I love this one. So... It says of the singers in verse 33 that they were free from other duties for they were employed in that work day and night. Now, I wish we, I'm sure I speak for many of us, we wish we could just do the one thing, right? Like, if I just do one thing, like the thing I really love to do. See, that was great about being a pro surfer. It worked for a while. But eventually you don't get paid for being a pro surfer because there's better ones and they don't pay you anymore, right? I, I, there's interviews where I go like, oh, surfing, pro surfing is like pretty much the endless no job job. You know? Because we love to surf. Kelly Slater's been a pro surfer. I beat Kelly Slater in 1987 in a pro event in Jacksonville, Florida. 1987. He's still on tour at 51. Hey, they keep paying him to surf, and he keeps surfing. We don't always get to do what we want to do, but ultimately, as we're seeking the Lord, our heart will align to him, and it'll lead us to what he wants us to do, and therein we find our fulfillment, and we will embrace it and love to do it. Because if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll put the desire in our heart and he'll move our heart to be affectionate and drawn toward and excited with passion for those things he's created us to do. Going back to Genesis chapter 2. He'll stir us up for what our job in the garden is. And he'll make it clear. One of the great challenges we have in our modern society is all the distractions. See, the singers had singular focus. When those gatekeepers were opening the door at 6 a.m., the singers like... Me, 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 me. Like whatever singers do to warm up, right? Like they're doing, they're doing their thing and they're going to do it all day long. Every day in the life of the Levite singer, it was built around one thing, singing and singing really good. Know your songs, know your flow, know your range. That's all they did. And if they're really good Levite singers, what did they do? Well, they got better at it their entire life. If they're lazy, they just walk through it, you know? Sloppy sound check, da 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 See, one thing I noticed right away with Phil Wickham and Jeremy Camp when they were young is their sound checks were impeccable. Daniel, you're a witness. We watched these guys all, these guys, particularly Phil Wickham, Jeremy too, but Jeremy was only around for like one season. Phil was there for four years. And you watched him go from being 16 to 20 and how he did his sound checks and how he was and how he thought. And it's, it's who he is now at the age of 40 is not random. His skill got better and better. I, I heard a recent song. I was like, he sounds better than he ever sounded before. And if he's singing in memory care when he's 95, he'll still sound good. <laughs> you know, like if I'm preaching to the wall, I hope I, it makes sense, you know, and I'm bringing Jesus. 
We want to get better with singular focus. See, I've learned this to be key. I've, again, on my book, I realize that one of the reasons I won the Pipe Masters is I put more into it than anyone else on planet Earth. God gave me the skill. He gave me the wisdom. But I spent so many days in huge pipeline by myself, dodging 20-foot closeout sets from the Northwest, finding that one good wave from the West that came every 45 minutes. What I put in is what I got out. And like I said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And it, it wasn't luck. You don't, you don't win the Pipe Masters by luck. You don't win a gold medal in the Olympics by luck. You don't win a world title by luck. But one event, like a gold medal in the Olympics, you don't win the Masters of Golf and get a green jacket by luck. Jack Nicholas, they studied his life. Jack Nicholas, the greatest golfer of all time, was within two seconds of every pre-shot. Every film they could ever find of him, his pre-shot preparation, putting, chipping, driving, was within two seconds of every shot. The, the consistency of how he prepared each shot within two seconds. I live for the Pipe Masters. Every time I lost in South Africa, I was trying, like, I'm going to get it at Pipe Masters. My whole world was built toward December 7th every year. That was my whole life. All the pictures on my wall, everything. I was a California kid. I was top 10 in the world, but my world revolved around one thing. Joey Brand must win the Pipe Masters. I had singular focus. That's where I really struggled after I accomplished it because, of course, it was empty. And, like, what do I do now? Because a second win won't be any different than the first win. My life is empty. But from 12 to 24, I had absolute singular focus in my purpose of life. And every time I paddled out anywhere, under any circumstance, surfing, when I got up in the dark almost every morning to go surfing, before there was surf line, all these things that go, I knew where the best ways were. It was always about that one thing. What is your one thing, body of Christ, WG? What demands from the Lord Jesus Christ your singular focus this day? Do you know what it is? Because your real value at work is not the 20 things you do. It's the three things and most particularly the one thing. If you want to raise, don't do 20 things average. Do three things well and do one thing really well. You're not just earning a paycheck. You're paid for value. And the value is one thing above all else is what you're paid for. You young people, listen to me. One thing above all else is what you're paid for. Figure out what it is and increase your value and get better at it. Dedicate your life to getting better and better and better. Everything's changing. What's the one thing? See, as I'm looking at the rest of my life, what's the one thing? It's communicating the gospel. The Joy Brown Ministry Foundation is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to financially support people who are actively engaged with fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ. That's the Joy Brown Ministry Foundation. That's my life from here to eternity, particularly when I move past, you know, 67-ish. That's what I'm passing on to my son-in-law, my daughter. That's my vision for everything God's doing in my life. It's not about what I'm attaining. It's about what we're doing for the kingdom and how it'll go forward from when I'm gone. What's your one thing? It's a really important question. What's the one thing that you do really well? I was thinking about Peter the Apostle, and we'll wrap it up with him. If I ask you, what is the one thing Peter the Apostle did really well? You might think, oh, let me tell you what he did really well. He prayed. He's praying in Acts 1. He's praying in, he's praying in Acts 2. He's leading them in prayer. He influenced them for prayer. When he healed the lame man in chapter 3, he was going to the hour of prayer. When he receives the vision for the Gentile nations, he's at noon in the hour of prayer, praying on the roof of Simon the Tanner. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. When he's in prison, they're praying for him. He was a praying man, and what he did influenced everyone to pray around him. That's, he, Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. 
and tend my flock. But even when they're concerned with feeding, giving food to the widows, Peter and the apostles said, we must pay attention to one thing, prayer and the word. His one thing was prayer above all else. What's our one thing with the kingdom? What's that singular vision focus God has for us? I want to be really fruitful, and I want you to be really fruitful. I want you to shine for the Lord in eternity at the highest level. I want you to get full career advancement in the kingdom when you step into eternity. I want to get it. I want to encourage you to identify what is that one thing, to sacrifice whatever you need to do to sanctify that one thing, to commit that one thing to Christ, and let it shine for his glory for all eternity. Because that one thing is really probably the main thing that you're on planet Earth to do. So let it shine for the Lord. A is an absolute. B is I might get to it. C is I could get to it. D is delegate. E is just eliminate it. A, B, C, D, E. A B never trumps an A. Because the ineffectiveness of 80% of people that go to work is they're distracted, they don't care, and they're doing C's and D's and, and E's, and they don't even care about A and B, and they wonder why they don't get anything done effectively and efficiently at work, let alone for the kingdom of God. Know your A in Jesus' name. You got to know. We got to know. Paul said at the end of his life that his sole purpose in life, he made it his aim to preach the gospel where the gospel had never been preached. He made, see, singular focus. Paul said, of all the demands of my life, all things I do, my healing handkerchief, I get chased out of this town, I get beat up in that one. Look, my whole life is about one thing. My aim, my core value of all core values is I make it my aim to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ where he's never been preached, where no man has ever been before. See, that core value guided his every decision making in his life. So when he said, I'm letting go of this and I'm going to do this and I'm moving toward that, it was all based upon that core value of the one thing. See, the way, the way we waste time is distracting things come in and with let D and C and E distract us. From the thing that really matters. I don't want my last day on planet earth to be entertained instead of just excellent. I just want my last day to be fruitful. I want to be doing my A's and moving toward my B's for the glory of the Lord. I don't want to be twiddling my thumbs, dumbing down myself with D's and E's and F's and anything that comes after it. And actually, nor do you. The value of time the value of the numbers, and the value of singular focus. This is how people change the world in Jesus' name. This is how Amy Carmichael changed the world. Mother Teresa, Elizabeth Elliot, this is how it works. Or as Pastor Chuck would say, don't bring any lame offerings. Don't bring your junk to the church. Bring your best. Jesus and Luke 9 were told, he said, his face like flint. For this purpose I came. He came to die on the cross. And then we're told in Luke 9, he said, his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. He said, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. He must. And then he said, then we're told, is all in Luke 9, he said, his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. He knew, see, great teacher, miracles, all that. And the world loves to study those things. But his name is Savior. And he came to save us from our sins. All the rest is secondary. He came to live a perfect sinless life, die on the cross for our sins, and rise from the grave for our hope and justification. And everything he did from the time he sat at his stepdad's Joseph's warehouse, watching him, or, you know, workshop, watching him build stuff, was moving toward one thing, to die on that cross for our sins.
from the dawn of creation and the failure of our father, Adam, our second Adam came. That was the one thing. And that's why he never shrank back. Even that day, even that cup, when he said, oh, that this cup would pass for me, but it didn't. He didn't shrink back and he knew what was there and he did it. So WG, I leave you with this thought. Identify, sanctify, guard, and prioritize that singular focus of what you know your life is meant to be about. Because the vast majority of people waste their lives. And a good portion of people in Jesus' name waste them as well. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Redeem the time so you can give those who walk outside the Lord a reason for the hope that's in us. That's what we're told to do in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.